1: Welcome back to Working. I'm your host, June Thomas.
2: And I'm your other host, Isaac Butler.
1: And I'm your third host, Karen Hahn. That's right. All three of us are gathered here today to discuss our creative New Year's resolutions for 2023. This is is what you might call a tradition of working. And so we're also going to look back on our resolutions from last year and see how well we stuck to them. Isaac, Karen, how do you feel about that plan?
2: I'm just kind of happy that we've been on the air long enough to have traditions. You know, yeah. not not every yeah. podcast uh, survives that long. And, you know, we we when we revamped uh, working and made it about the creative process, we weren't sure what the response was going to be. And so uh, I'm excited about it.
3: It's also nice that it's like for us, because I know working has gone through several iterations with other people. But we have I feel like we have a pretty good bond now, I would say. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Totally. All right. Well, so let's get started.
1: Karen, what's your first New Year's resolution for 2023?
3: Well, it's actually, I think, sort of tangential to what I just said, um, because Isaac and I actually came up with this via text while I was in <laughs> New York for my book events and totally missed seeing Isaac while I was there. Ah. So the resolution is to try to actually meet up in person in 2023. Mm. Uh, And this goes for all three of us. And it might be tough since we're all in very different places, but I think it could be at least a fun thing to keep in the back of our heads in case traveling ever takes us to the same place.
2: Well, I mean, I think obviously we should get together and do like a live episode of the show somewhere if anyone (laughs) wants to bring us to your Mm -hmm. venue to record. But I would also say, you know, another obvious solution is for us to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and crash on June's couch. June, what do you think?
1: Uh, uh, yes yes absolutely <laughs> bring it on I think that would be fantastic and honestly wouldn't it be
2: amazing if live in the middle of this podcast you were like no you can't you can't stay at my apartment uh, and then we and then we had just, a huge falling yeah, out on the Exactly. End.
1: just one pause here to say if you ever say that again no yeah exactly <laughs> I, can't, I can't even fake it but no uh, you know I, I have to say that moving to Scotland I kind of hoped it would mean that I might get visits from friends but mm-hmm. because I've been you know very headstone. Down and focused on my book. I really haven't done any inviting yet. You know, but by festival time, I'm hoping to be in more of a social zone. So, you know, right, resolution sorted. That's that's officially another working creative resolution. <laughs> I, I, you know, in general, I've kind of, I think probably like a lot of people over the last couple of years, gotten out of the habit of just like kind of casual hang with friends. And when I do get together in that way, I I kind of worry that there's so much built up craving for that kind of easy socialization that I, I look at my friends like a lion looking at a wildebeest, you know? <laughs> so so uh, that's just something I also want to get back in the habit of. All right, Isaac, you are up. What is your first goal for the year ahead?
2: All right. So my big one here is I want to get back into listening to new music. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a period in my life, uh, otherwise known as my mid to late 20s, in in which I listened to a lot of new music. You know, it was an exciting time to be listening to new music. And I was young and, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Um, But ever since the pandemic, I've been much more likely to go deeper into artists I already know and am interested in. And look, I know that actually that's very typical. There's been studies done that when you get to middle age you stop listening to new music Um, but uh, (laughs) I do not want to go quietly into that good night I want Mm -hmm. to rage rage against the dying of the light and listen to some new stuff one of the barriers I find that I'm having currently is that we are actually going through a moment of aesthetic revival of the kinds of music I was listening to in my twenties, mm. which were themselves—that's you know the early to mid aughts, which themselves were a redux of the music of the post-punk period of the early '80s. So there's a <laughs> weird way in which it's now been recycled twice, and so yeah. I, it's much harder for me to find it interesting. Every but, twenty years, apparently. Every twenty <laughs> years, right? So I guess we're gonna have a. Unfortunately, we'll have a grunge revival soon. Uh, but the, um, you know, I just I I want to find a way to get excited about new music again.
3: Yeah, well, I'll say I've been sort of thinking about this because specifically a friend of mine, uh, Toby Jones, shout out to Toby, posted about this to his Instagram story. But what he does throughout the year is on Instagram, like often you're allowed to add like snippets of music to your story and stuff. And so you'll see like the little tag of like what song's playing. He takes all of those and adds them to a playlist. Like every song that he sees his friends listening to, he puts it on a playlist and then listens to that to see like which ones he likes. Especially because I think, with that function you're hearing 15 seconds of it already you can kind of sort of tell if you're already grooving with it but it does seem like a really good way to discover new music because i know several of my friends will just post like oh here's this new song that i'm listening to like to their instagram story and i do realize that this is dependent on being on that social media platform Mm. so more broadly i'll say keep an eye out for like what your friends are talking about and what they're listening to and that's a pretty easy way to just find something else to give a try
1: That is such good advice. And Isaac, I think my kind of words to you will be a little bit less practical. Um, (laughs) I don't really have any concrete advice because, you know, contemporary music is something that I let go of many years ago now, even though I once (laughs) was like a really kind of semi-serious music nerd. I mean, back in the day, one of my proudest achievements was the ability to do the enemy crossword by the end of Thursday every wow. week. And, and that Holy was long boy. before Google, you know. So, I mean, I, I couldn't actually identify the music. I just knew now, trivia, now, did but that's you, another thing.
2: Did you let go of this in like a Buddhist embracing nothingness, <laughs> letting go of the ego kind of way?
1: No, or? I was conscious of it. I was conscious okay. of it. But it was, honestly, I think it's just something that we all do, and I think... I just happened to be more conscious of it because it was culture of like, you let go of all kinds of things. First, you're not going to every new movie. Then you're not mm-hmm. listening to all the songs. And then, and like the worst part is when you realize, shit, what is left? Like, what am I, <laughs> what am I keeping up with? Uh, and that's not good. But one thing I'll say, Isaac is once you let it go, it's really hard. I was going to say impossible, but maybe I won't quite go that far to get back into it just because, like, the spigot keeps on flowing and it gets to feel overwhelming, or at least yeah. it did for me. And, and you know, it's it's what you're saying. It's not just that once you get to a certain age, you tend to listen to the old stuff, but, like, it's one of the things that's happened to the arts in the last, well, I don't know, decade or so is that now absolutely everything is available. You're already paying for it. You don't have to pay any extra. So, you know, new music... Although
2: you should if it's an artist you like.
1: Absolutely. And I just, I don't mean to suggest that people should be pirating, but rather like the the (laughs) streaming services do have everything. But, um, you know, everything's available. So it's not just that new music has to hold off your old favorites, but also all the old stuff that you never got to. So, you know, that Jones to be current is really hard to satisfy. So if you're going to do it, you got to do it now, I guess is all I will say.
3: Yeah, it's I mean, it's tough. I think we're we've all been in that same boat with with regards to any kind of media. Mm. But with that in mind, June, that's a very thoughtful answer. And I'm curious what your first resolution is.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, My first resolution for 2023 is drawn, I think, from the world of crafting, where people often say they're going to shop their stash. In Mm. other words, they're going to use the stuff they already own rather than going out and buying more and more new things. So as we know, because I'm always talking about it, in 2022, I moved across the world, something that weirdly enough wasn't in my head when we did our last New Year's show. Um, And I got rid of a ton of stuff. But there was also a lot that I couldn't bear to part with. And so having paid a fortune to send them across the Atlantic, <laughs> I really want to use them, which, you know, use mostly, I guess, refers to craft and art supplies. But, you know, books, I'm, yeah, of course, I'm going to keep on buying new books, but I want to read some of the ones I already own, some of the ones I've already enjoyed. In general, I just kind of want to spend more time engaging with the things that I've chosen to bring into my life Mm. rather than always looking for
2: the new hotness. You know, June, I have been trying with mixed success to do this mm. with books, you know, to be like, you have to read three books you already own before you buy a new one or whatever, mm-hmm. which is hard because buying books is very comforting to yes. me. Yes. But, uh, you know, like I'm looking at this bookshelf right now that's right in front of my computer. and It's like, oh, Sister Carrie by Theodore Dreiser. I've always <laughs> meant to do that. Or, the End of Vandalism by by Tom Drury or Nervous Conditions by Tsitsi Dangaremga. You know, I, there's lots of stuff out there that, that's just sitting in my bookshelf taunting me. But I will say, that when you do start sticking to it, I'm going to give you a little um, bolster, bolster you here. When okay. you if you can stick to it, it's very rewarding because you're not only reading the book or using the fabric swatch or whatever it is, but you are reencountering the person who thought that would be a good thing to buy, at the same time you're really meeting your older self it's a weird form of time travel it's kind of like that scene in the movie of high fidelity where john cusack reorganizes his record collection autobiographically so that in order to find you know a fleetwood mac album or whatever he has to remember which girl he was trying to impress when he bought it (laughs) but you get to go through that a lot and there's actually something great about that sometimes the you of the past had bad taste but sometimes they knew exactly (laughs) what the you of today really needed
1: yeah, and sometimes you've changed and you see different things. Isaac, you just in the in mid December wrote a great piece for the New Yorker website about this, and and uh, with uh, reference to Manuel Puig's Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yeah. So you thank know, you. yeah, it it can be a, a really a, a great personal experience to like go back to what did I used to think about this? I thought this book was about
3: what? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I guess my advice on this front is more that I also want to resolve to do this in the new year. Um, <laughs> although I would say my mindset is maybe a little bit different. It's less about encountering the past and learning to be a little less precious with the stuff that I've yes. spent money on. Because yes. I think that's a huge problem for me. It's like once I buy something, I tend to sort of hoard or treasure it in a way yeah. where I'm like, oh, like if I use it, then it's gone or I've reduced its value in some way. Yeah. But especially in terms of crafting, it's like, well, then what did I buy if (laughs) Like if I'm not going to use it. So trying to break out of that mindset a little bit, I think, is what I'll try to do. And also it will help me to stop from buying new stuff because then I'm just going to not use that stuff either.
1: Exactly. It is a vicious circle. I know. I I know exactly what you mean. I, you know, when I've, when we've been to Japan, I always come back with boxes of treasures and then Mm -hmm. it's real fun to go look in those old boxes of treasures. But That's not what I got them for. I got them to use them, you know? Like, use them. Go for it. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with more creative New Year's resolutions.
4: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
2: Hey there, listeners. If you're looking for a good way to kick off your 2023, why not consider signing up for Slate Plus? Members get ad-free podcasts, bonus content on shows like Working in the Culture Gab Fest, entire bonus episodes of shows like Big Mood, Little Mood, and Slow Burn, and... You'll never hit a paywall on the mothership slate.com. Best of all, you get a warm feeling of accomplishment, something like a delicious glass of eggnog or mulled wine because you know that you're supporting our work and the work of all the talented people at Slate. To learn more, go to slate.com/workingplus. Again, that's slate.com/workingplus.
1: And we're back. And I believe it's Karen's turn to hit us with her second New Year's resolution. Karen, what have you got for us?
3: So my second resolution is sort of connected to my first one, which is to stay in better touch with my friends. Text more often, reply more quickly, send them the memes that make me think of them (laughs) instead of just keeping them to myself. It's just nice to know that someone is thinking about you. And I want to make sure that my friends and loved ones know that I'm thinking about them. And it is... It's a little bit of emotional labor, I guess, but really not that high left to be like, look at this video of a weird cat that I think is funny. And I think you would also find this funny. (laughs) So just to maintain those connections a little bit better.
2: I'm going to be very supportive of you in this. I think this is a great idea. And I don't actually think it's really emotional labor because, you know, they'll write you back or what. I mean, maybe they won't. Well, but, you this know. is the
3: thing. Like some people, I think it is because I okay, know right. several introverts in my life. And like totally. reaching out to people is a stressful experience no matter what it is. I, so yeah, I don't I want to put that kind of broad blanket on it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. OK, I get that. But, you know, like uh, I am someone who's like pretty good at this, I would say, you know, like I'm well, probably you're a,
3: the, you're a huge I, I, extrovert, <laughs> I know, but I'm also probably the
2: person like there, I have a number of friendships in which I am the engine for keeping in touch. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes I get a little annoyed about that or I feel a little exploited or whatever. And then I'm like, you know what? It's fine. This is the thing that I can do. Um, my feeling is that most of the time it's like that moment when you think like, Oh, I should write June. I wonder what she's up to right now. Just mm-hmm. do it right then. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it, it's the delaying or the overthinking of it. At least for me, that can get in the way of like, well, it's been like I, I wrote them a few times and they didn't write me back, or you know, whatever. Or uh, in almost, I'm going to say 99.98 percent of the time, the people want to hear from you are going to be happy. You'll have brightened their day, you know, just a just a scotch. And so, <laughs> you know, I think just do it and just don't overthink it. And when you're like, hey, this is a meme I saw just send it out. That's what yeah. I do. And I and honestly, it's it's pretty delightful.
1: Yeah, I think I'm a little closer to Isaac than to you, Karen, as mm-hmm. far as doing this. Um, I also have a habit of reconnecting with people after being, if not exactly out of touch, like having been in pretty distant communication. Mm-hmm. And it's actually usually easy to continue a conversation you left off however many years ago. It's always the Things to catch up on, too, of course. And the reason I think this is really relevant to this Creative New Year's resolutions is that the conversations I have with old friends tend to generate more ideas for stories yeah. or points to make in a piece of writing or just for the next conversation than ones with new friends. You know, another thing. I'm going to tell you what I do, and I'm not suggesting that you do quite the same, but maybe there's some similar things. So when I signed my boot contract, I set up a newsletter that I would said I was going to send out to share research finds and kind of insights from my research, and I have done that, and it's a pretty small list, and I only send things out every two or three weeks, but I almost think of it and it's actually turned into a way of keeping in touch with my friends, even if Mm -hmm. a lot of the recipients don't actually know me in real life. And I do write about my book, but I also write about pieces of culture I like or, you know, life changes. Or when I was moving, I offered to send people boxes of stationery. Um, (laughs) And so like newsletters, I think, are to 2022, what blogs were to 2005 or something like that. Uh, So, you know, they can be a way of letting people know what you're up to. And and that way, you just have to do it one time. And it's also maybe less of a strain on the people who receive it. Uh, You know, just putting something into the world just to kind of let people know what you're up to.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: All right, Isaac, it's your turn again. What's your second New Year's Resolution?
2: This is a biggie, and I think it's one the two of you might be feeling some feelings about, which is that I think over (laughs) the next year, I and perhaps all of New York media need Mm. to figure out what the alternative to Twitter is going to be, because it's gotten Mm -hmm. fairly unsustainable to be on there. You know, we are taping this a couple weeks before it airs, so I should say to our listeners so you have some context, (laughs) within the last 24 hours... Elon Musk made up a threat on his family in order to ban like dozens of left wing journalists, then hopped into a Twitter spaces, which is like an audio thing on Twitter. Basically, <laughs> Like he was group, not invited to. <laughs> yes, exactly. To tell them all off. And because they're actual journalists and care about the facts, they told them that he was wrong and full of shit. And he not only deleted all record of that conversation, he deleted the function of Twitter spaces so that those conversations could no longer happen. So like (laughs) this kind of like having a whimsical monster in charge of Twitter, I think is uh, who's changing the rules every 12 hours. It's actually creating too much anxiety. You know what I mean? And I just think there's, ethical lines that are beginning to get crossed. Uh, I think for most of us, um, however, for those of us who are in freelance media, Twitter is still extremely important. It still helps me get work. It helps me generate ideas. I have a base of people in there that I communicate with. It's helped me do book promo. I'm certain the reason why the book got in front of as many reviewers as it did is because I'm active on Twitter, you know? So the question is like, I mean, I did Facebook before that and blogs before that and bulletin board systems before that, like, I'm okay to move on to the next thing. Right. But it's like, how do we create something that gives us the good of Twitter without the bad? I don't know. Are you all thinking about leaving? Maybe I'm changing our subject of conversation, but I feel like this is my resolution (laughs) is we got to figure this out for our own sanity.
3: Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about it in so much as like, I feel like I will be on it until there is, a, as you sort of mentioned, a major ethical line crossed or the site just totally breaks like because it is so it has been and is so important to my work. Um, as someone who works freelance and even for people on staff, like it's hugely important and also kind of unfairly often a metric that employers will use to yeah. kind of see what value they think you have. Um, the sort of problem is, I think this is not a resolution that you personally can do anything about unless suddenly you decide to develop a new social media platform. <laughs> you know, that's and funny because I'm, is-
2: I'm such an expert entrepreneur venture capitalist.
3: <laughs> you know, that's That's
2: really what I'm known for. Those are things I'm really great at.
3: Yeah, and like watching the attempted migration of people from Twitter has been so strange, and I think eye-opening to an extent because everyone wants to go somewhere that basically has the same functions as Twitter, yeah. and the reason that that place doesn't exist is because Twitter existed. <laughs> like mm-hmm. every single site that th- that's out there, like Post, Hive, Mastodon, everyone's like, "Oh, like it's okay, but I wish it had X functionality that Twitter also had on top of this," mm-hmm. and it's hard because people are going to many different places. There's no agreed upon site that people are migrating to. And it is kind of scary to watch unfold because it's really impossible to tell what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, weren't we just talking about ways to stay in touch with old friends, (laughs) you know, like it is really, it's an important thing in our lives. It's a, it's a real need. Yeah. And Twitter has been an amazing place to do that. You know, uh, I am still there for the moment. I'm one of those people who finds it really hard to let go of habits. And looking at Twitter whenever I had a millisecond of downtime, (laughs) is something I've been doing for so long that just on a like, you know, Twitch reflex level, I just Mm. think that's going to be really hard to change. And I have tried a couple of those other services, post, a microblog. The first one was still very buggy when I tried it and I just Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I didn't cancel my account or anything, but, you know, I didn't really use it because it just wasn't going yet. And I I liked Microblog, but it really focuses on positive sharing. Mm. And that experience of like, God, all this, like, first of all, like, not the speed that I was used to. And then also, Mm -hmm. like, all this pleasantness, it kind of (laughs) made me realize that, I kind of like, you know, the, the, the hate scrolling on Twitter, you know, it's not that I I actively enjoy being annoyed, but it kind (laughs) of wakes me up in the morning, you know? So like, that's so funny. I mean,
2: some of the negative, so-called negative things of Twitter are the positive things. You know, like one of the reasons why I'm never going to join Mastodon is whoever runs your server can read your direct messages. There's no direct messages are not private on Mastodon. And I was saying this to a friend and they were like, why do you care about that? I was like... Are you kidding? Gossiping <laughs> about people in DMs is like the stuff of life. You know, some of, some yeah, of the negative true. habits are actually part of the fun. Exactly. And it's also
3: like that kind of set up for a social media platform, I think, discourages people from learning more where it's like if only if the only reactions that you can get from people are like, oh, that's so great. Then it's like if someone posts something that's blatantly wrong or kind of a willful misread, then it's like, what are you going to do about that? How do you react to that?
1: Yeah. I mean all, all I agree completely and and you know, so yeah, I don't know. The combination of having like built up a good list of people that I follow and just yeah. that speed, you know, you can just you can just sit there for five minutes and if you follow the right people, you can figure out everything that you need to read, everything, yeah. you know, all the bad things and the good things that have <laughs> happened to people. So yeah, I mean, I'm fully with you, Isaac. The time is, is nigh, but it's gonna be really hard to you know, get those
3: benefits. It's not impossible, I might say. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. All <laughs> right. I, like, I like that uh, for both of my resolutions, Jude's like, well, Isaac, you're fucked.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In short. Sometimes that's just the way. Sometimes that's conclude. just
2: the way. Yes. No, no, no. That's true. That's true. That's absolutely true. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, let me get to my second resolution. We'll see. Am I fucked? Okay. So. <laughs> In uh, 2022, one of the people I interviewed for working was Julia Cameron. You know, the one, the author of The Artist's Way, Inventor of Morning Pages.
2: Mm.
0: And
1: another practice that she talked about in that book is The artist Date, which she defines as a weekly expedition to explore something that enchants or interests you. And again, partly because we moved and partly because I've been, you know, really pretty much focused on writing my book. I Mm. haven't really been engaging with culture and certainly not, you know, at my pre-pandemic level. And despite living in a city with loads of great galleries and stores and theatre to go to, I just haven't spent much time doing that. And a few weeks ago, when Zach Rosen, guest-hosted Working, he talked about how important artist dates are to his creative practice And so I want to commit to them as a way of saying, I'll leave my house and experience art. It doesn't have to be an artist date, but that's a nice way of capturing it. And, you know, I also want to be realistic. So because I'm coming up on a couple of big deadlines, I know I'm not going to be able to do it weekly. So at least twice a month, I will go to a (laughs) museum or a play or a concert or something like that, that I hope will enchant or interest me.
3: That's really, really lovely. And I feel like I keep kind of piggybacking off of your resolutions, (laughs) but I want to do that, too. Like, I haven't explored Los Angeles as much Mm -hmm. as I'd like to since moving here. And I do want to get out and see more stuff. And I feel like maybe my keeping in contact with the friends resolution will help lead to more plans to do stuff together. And on top of that, I do feel like your resolution is a sort of self-care method where it's like you need to make sure that you're not just working all the time and like make sure that you're going out to do things for yourself and maybe not even for your work and also finding inspiration in other places and not sort of just chaining yourself to your desk the whole day. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, I think this is a great idea. This is definitely something that I need to do and I keep trying to do and, you know, I'm going to give you some similar advice to Karen. Maybe I should write a creative self-help book called like uh, <laughs> Just Do Shit or something. For me, the hard part is actually like compiling all the information to figure out what thing I want to go to, especially in mm. New York City. It's like, today, am I going to go to the Guggenheim or the Frick or the Whitney or a gallery or the Met or what am I going to do? And I have realized over the past month, I've come to the determination that the solution is actually just just pick one and go. Like, Mm -hmm. like, like you'll find something in the permanent collection you like. If you don't like the temporary exhibitions, if you go and you see a temporary exhibition, you turn out not to like it. You'll still learn something from it. Who gives a shit? It's just three hours of your time. It's still going to creatively replenish you no matter what. Don't overthink it. Um, I recently implemented this system for picking what movie I'm going to watch from my Criterion Channel watch list because on the Criterion Channel, you know, you have that list of like 500 movies and you just sit there scrolling through them being like, am I in the mood for this one? Or "Ooh, if, if I die tomorrow, is this the one I want to have been the last movie I see? And the actual answer is, for me, I've learned is to just be like, I have, enough time to watch a 90-minute movie, the first movie that is 90 minutes or less, that sounds interesting, I am putting on, period. Mm
4: -hmm. And if I don't
2: like it, who gives a shit? It's just 90 minutes of my time. And so for these sort of impulsive cultural consumption things that you're trying to make habits out of, the less prep work you do, the easier it's going to be to stick to it.
1: Oh, that is such practical advice. Thank you, Isaac. All right, let's take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about our resolutions from last year. Did we succeed? Did we fail spectacularly? Probably a little bit of both. Stay tuned.
0: Hi. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to Slate.com slash Amicus Live for tickets. Hi, listeners. What are
3: your creative New Year's resolutions for 2023? Do you have any questions about how to accomplish those goals? Well, maybe we can help. Send us an email at working at slate.com or give us a call and leave a message at 304-933-9675. If we like your question, we might try to answer it on an episode of Working Overtime, and then you will have a call out from us on the podcast for eternity. Again, that phone number is 304-933-WORK.
1: And we're back. And it's time to review our New Year's resolutions from last year. Isaac, do you remember what yours were?
2: I do, in fact, because you emailed me to remind me in advance of this week's episode. Uh, my two resolutions were to get better at asking people for things and to be more open-minded as a critic. I think I definitely succeeded at the first one. Book promotion will do that to you. You know, you just have to reach out to a lot of people for book-related favors, uh, to consider it for reviews, to like, hey, I would love to come on your podcast or you know whatever it is. You just have to do that. All the time. Yeah. And actually I have a friend from graduate school who recently is getting back into freelancing after having a kid and a, you know, a, a news producing position and stuff like that. And she and I have become our, like, we're like an accountability team, you know, where it's like, Hey, do you want to come to this thing and network with me? It's going to be insufferable. Let's go get some free (laughs) booze or, you know, whatever it is. Um, As to the second one, I think I succeeded at this. The truth of the matter is that I didn't freelance write as much this year as in years past. Most of what I did was connected to the book in some way. So Mm -hmm. I actually wasn't doing that many reviews. Outlets, and I think this is kind of a secret culture story that needs to be written about. Major outlets are cutting down how much reviewing they actually want from freelancers more and more and more. But I will say I think I did get more open-minded as a viewer Uh, from the most... Unlikely of sources having to watch stuff with my child and try to see it through her eyes, or at least try not to put my own eyes out on family movie nights. That's and so, you know, sometimes, like, kids have bad taste. They they, they mm-hmm. like all sorts of, I mean, they, there's things they like that are good, but most of what they like is bad, right? And so when you have to sit there and watch it, you're like, how am I going to go through this? You, it, <laughs> it helps to switch your mind over to, like, what is interesting or what can I learn about this or whatever. I mean, I'll give you an example. Those David Yates Harry Potter movies, those last few Harry Potter movies that David Yates made, not good, but the landscape <laughs> cinematography in them is really beautiful. And so I would just mm-hmm. find myself being like, that overhead... I I think, is that a drone shot? What is that? You know, the color there is really interesting. Or, you know, maybe that's the only thing I can hold on to yeah. other than the lovely. I mean, there's actually some lovely performances, but, you know, still it's like maybe there's not that much to hold on to, but it is at least something. And this culminated in our family trip to see Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> um, you know, cause it's closing soon. And it was yeah. one of the first musicals I saw. And um, you know, it's not a good musical. Andrew Lloyd Webber, not, not great, not great, Bob, but the um, Hal Prince staging of it is so brilliant. And I was just like, this is, you know, he really was a genius. And so getting to kind of latch onto that was really helpful.
1: That's
3: awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah, it really is. I, I have to say, I never wanted children, but if there's one thing that I'm jealous of from my friends who are parents, it is just that it's a talk about a spigot, right? I mean, and as you say, a lot of what kids like is trash, but they're bringing new things in. They're exposing you to more stuff. You know, I know your daughter is still pretty young, but, you know, it's just there's more to come and you won't like it all. But it you know you were talking earlier about that that desire to be exposed to new music well you know she'll be she'll be bringing that in uh you know every week uh, starting soon and although I know she already is a, a bit of a a music maven
3: <laughs> I also think it's it's just nice to have that i think as a forced part of your life so to speak Mm -hmm. because like (laughs) i've definitely talked about about this on the show before but in several of my previous jobs like I've, i've definitely encountered a lot of pushback on stuff that was considered to be like for a non mainstream audience in whatever way, whether it was like targeted towards children or targeted towards women or targeted towards people of color, like whenever any kind of designation is given to a kind of media, people tend to take it less seriously, mm-hmm. which is like not good for anybody involved with that, I yeah, think. Yeah. But yeah. so, which is to say, I think you're doing a good job and I find it very exciting to hear you talk about this stuff.
1: Exactly. Thank yeah. you. All right, Karen, what were your resolutions from last year and did you stick to them?
3: My first resolution was to use my uh, Wacom tablet a little bit more um, because it was a gift from my wonderful partner now fiance, and I definitely <laughs> whoa, did use whoa, it. Whoa, what? Uh, what? Pause, pause. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let's just hit pause. The uh, did you just drop all, some big news on us yeah, there?
2: I yeah. Said, Let's go back to that said, first resolution about keeping in touch a little bit more. I'm you got Sorry. engaged?
3: I did. Mazel to-
2: please please don't apologize. It's just the Jewish mother in me has to go trip <laughs> you about it. I am so overjoyed for you both. Yeah. Brian's oh, thank a great you. guy. Uh, Mazel tov. Awesome. Have you set yes. a date?
3: No, not yet. Uh, okay. he, gave, he he proposed to me while we were in New York, so it's very, very recent. Oh, um, I'm yeah. so excited. That's so. It was very nice. sweet. I will say nice. the... Now one I'm of the funny things. On our oh, <laughs> one of the funny things was that when my I we went to go see my mom first, and then went to New York together, and uh, Brian like told her during that time Aww. that he was thinking about proposing, and apparently her response was, "Thank you, Brian." <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. (laughs) Anyway, yes, we are now engaged.
2: When I asked Anne, I had talked to her mom about it a few months earlier because there was like a a family ring that I wanted to use on on her side of the family. And so uh, her mom knew for like, three months and (laughs) Anne was under the impression that i was uh unsure how i felt about the institution of marriage and getting married like like there was a whole thing going on and so like it was really i was on better terms with her mom for those three months (laughs) that's hilarious uh, wow
3: um but yeah resolutions if anything (laughs) there's now more pressure on me to Use be the grateful comb for, tablet? Yeah, to use this. And I did use it a little more this year, but definitely not as much as I would want to. So I'm still trying to incorporate that a little bit more into my daily slash weekly routine. Mm. And my other resolution was to shed my pandemic weight, which I'm pretty <laughs> much the same way at which I started 2022. So these resolutions are definitely ongoing slash were not met during the past year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've still got my Pandemic. If you remember correctly, I piggybacked on that, and I was like, "I yeah. should get in better shape too." That is we'll definitely. We'll do it this year.
3: We'll do it. We'll do it year. this year.
2: Yes, yes, yes. That's it. This year we yeah. will finally, finally do it. Yes. I'm glad that you have a sense of humor about all of this and are beating oh, yourself yeah. up though, because like you know, it's been a busy time. You wrote a fucking book. You know, there's a lot exactly. of other stuff. There's a lot. Also, of Also, like stuff resolutions
3: going on. are fake. Like if you make them happen, then that's great. But if you don't, it's like nothing bad will happen to you probably, depending on the resolution. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: All right. I guess it's my turn to talk about my resolutions. Uh, last year, I said I would, one, have more conversations with people I don't know, which now seems so sappy, but whatever. <laughs> and two, meet the deadline for my book, which is mm. really, really close. But anyway, I think number one did happen, but mostly because we moved. So pretty much every conversation I have oh. is with a stranger. Um, and if you count immigration attorneys and moving companies. It. I. Totally nailed it. Yes. (laughs) Overall, though, I also think this is something that I need to be more intentional about and keep working on because it's something I do have a tendency to, first of all, be like a recluse. And secondly, (laughs) you know, ask somebody what? No. Um.
2: <laughs> well, well, wait, is Scott? I have a question though. Is yes. Scotland a place where people are amenable? Like, if you're going on one of your art trips from your yes. resolution right now, and you go mm-hmm. to a museum, and and you know someone's looking at the same painting, and you turn to them, and you're like, you know, I've always loved this painting. You know, in New York, I feel like you do that. Sixty percent of the time, the person's actually going to respond positively. Yeah. But if yeah. you do that in like London, they're like, you might give me the bubonic plague. Yeah. Please yeah. get away from me.
1: I, you know I don't know I think so people here are so nice like every day we're Aww. like what's going on here like everybody is so kind and so like they want to help you and it's yeah. so nice it really is it's crazy um, <laughs> so I I think they would but I have to say I haven't really put it into practice so I'm just I'm gonna report back. And right. uh, okay. so it'll it'll be a, a two parter. The second one, I have to say, my deadline is now so so close. It's like like an in, it's like giving me a buzz cut just by it's so close <laughs> to the top of my head. I I think it's too close for me to give a definitive answer. Uh, but I think that the main thing was that I did follow up on something that you both advised last year, which was to just keep working on it every day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. except for a bit when moving tasks were absolutely non-negotiable yeah
3: that's more important in that time
1: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, it wasn't a choice um there was no alternative but i <laughs> I, I do feel good like i've not been slacking off i've not been you know I, there's nothing for me to feel bad about well, that's um, wonderful yeah so
3: i'm not quite ready
1: to grade it but uh mm-hmm. i've done my best
2: also, June, first of all, that's all really great. The fact that you did all of this while doing an international move, and you yeah. know, I mean, it's bonkers. Uh, and I'm sure Karen can attest to how intense that that kind of process is. But, yeah. I mean, you should also know. I mean, blowing the deadline is a publishing tradition. It's a story <laughs> no! you know uh, uh, publishing no. publishing tradition. Are you really a writer if you haven't blown your book oh. deadline? i'm not I'm not sure
1: I did get a slight extension. Oh, okay. Well then, uh, yeah. then
2: you should make this one.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's like I've got so my original deadline. I now have to deliver half, and then I've got a slight extension for a second half. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still pretty tight.
3: But I'm
0: gonna do. I'm gonna do it. Yeah.
1: I'm
3: gonna do my best. Yeah. Also, just to our listeners, don't blow your deadlines. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I only Don't blew my that. deadline because of the pandemic. I will say yeah, like, they were very happy yeah. to give me an extension. They were like, it doesn't mess up our schedule. It's fine. The one thing that's that I good. would say, and maybe Karen, you can, you can tell me whether I'm wrong about this, right? Is that, uh, it celebrate when you hit that deadline, and yeah, you, absolutely. Make it, you know, give yourself like take, take a, your partner out for a nice out at- and dinner, or whatever, do something to celebrate. Uh, but also keep in mind, there are so many more steps yeah. to go. It is yeah. it is actually yeah. a marathon made up of marathons. Yeah. And yeah, so that's why it's something important. else. Yeah. yeah, that's why it's so important to celebrate when you make that first big deadline because yeah. There, you know, your book's actually nowhere near complete done. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. that sounds weird, but but no. like like there's going to be notes from the editor. There's going to mm-hmm. be probably one more draft. There's going to yeah. be a line yeah. edit from them. There's going to be another. And then, You know, it just keeps going and going and going. So just make sure to celebrate getting it done because it's not easy. Lots of people fail to do it and you should be really proud of yourself.
3: Yeah. It's like you have to incentivize it somehow because otherwise that kind of a long slog becomes really untenable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not good at that. I'm not good at
1: that. All right. Oh.
3: All right, that's
2: it for this week's episode of Working. If you enjoyed the show as much as maybe you enjoy a nice glass of eggnog, remember to subscribe to Working wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll never miss an episode.
1: And this wouldn't be a Slate podcast if we didn't remind you, once again, to sign up for Slate+. Plus. Members get ad-free podcasts, extra segments of shows like Slow Burn, Apple's Podcast of the Year, by the way, and Big Mood, Little Mood, and you'll never hit a paywall on the Slate site. To learn more, go to slate.com slash plus.
3: Big, big thanks to our wonderful producer, Cameron Drews. We'll be back next week with my conversation with Mark Petrosino and Michael Latini. They are puppeteers, prop makers, and co-founders of Monkey Boys Productions. Until then, get back to work.